We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church Podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. You guys are going to be wild and doing your own thing. You guys need to know that I'm here with you all the time. His presence would be a daily reminder that he is with them. It would be a place of forgiveness, a place of reconciliation, a place of hope, a place of joy, a place of celebration, much like the local church is today. We come out here, we say, we wake within me, wake within I mean, we're, we're getting it. We know how to have fun at Relevant Church, but we also know how to come and pray and take a moment and set the atmosphere of saying, listen, while we have fun and we do a whole lot of, you know, jokes and all that, we don't take ourselves seriously. We take God seriously. We know that only through him do we find our living, our breathing and our doing. So it's a place of transformation. And so read with me verses 30. On It says, then Moses, who is leading this group of people, it says, then Moses said to the people of Israel, see, the Lord has called by name Bezaliel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. Verse 34. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Oholiab, the son of Ahissamach of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twine linen, or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. And then in chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, it says, Bezaliel and Oholiab and every craftsman whom the Lord has put skill and intelligence to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. Verse 2. And Moses called Bezaliel and Oholiab and every craftsman in whose mind the Lord had put to do the work. And they received from Moses all the contribution that the Lord of Israel had brought in doing the work of the sanctuary. So God has called these individuals. He says, listen, I've touched a few individuals here. They are going to be able to do all of the work to build the sanctuary where I will dwell in. And in verse 25, let me just read that real quick. Just set the stage a little bit. In chapter 25 of Exodus, this is what God says. It says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel, that they may take up from me a contribution from every man whose heart moves. You shall receive the contribution. And in verse 8, and let them make a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furniture. So you shall make it. Point number one. God is building his church to be the visible expression of his presence. God is building 
the church to be the visible expression of his presence. Why? Because he did the same thing with the children of Israel. He says, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. God wanted to be close to his people. He wanted to show the people that he was there, that he wasn't a God who has just spun the world into existence and then just left it hanging there and is out doing his own thing. He wants to be close to individuals. A few years ago, my parents moved to Zambia. They retired, and my dad wanted to be close to his mother. And so he, he, they moved back to Zambia, and I don't get to have my dad close to me. I don't get to roll by his house like we used to every weekend. And after church, they would have dinner at their house, and we would crash their house and go eat free food. That was amazing, cooked by my mom. I'm still feeling some ways about them leaving. Praise God my wife can cook, amazing cook. But now that I don't have them here with me, praise God for technology. Because every now and again, very often actually, my dad out of the blue will FaceTime me. Or whenever I want to see my dad or whenever I want to see my mom, I FaceTime them. Now, how many of you guys know the iPad or the iPhone or the computer I'm talking to is not my parents? Of course. But the image that I see is the very present image of my father and my mother, and I get to see them, and I get to experience them, even though I don't necessarily get to touch them, but because of this vehicle that I get to see my parents, I know that their presence is still around. And how many of you guys know the church is the world's FaceTime of God? The world gets to experience and see the manifest presence of God through the local church. In John chapter 1, it tells us about Jesus coming to earth. And then in verse 14, it uses some very interesting language because it uses the very same language that God used when he told the people to build them a house. This is what it says. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. This word dwelt is the same word for tabernacle. The same thing that God said, hey, have them build me a house, have them build me a tabernacle, meaning a dwelling place, a place that my existence can be, a place where people get to experience all of who I am, where my full presence can be felt and heard and experienced, and that was Jesus Christ. So Jesus comes to this earth to be the physical manifestation of God on this earth. We get to experience God's love. We get to experience God's healing. We get to experience all that God has for us through the person and work of Jesus Christ. But then he left. And all of the disciples are wondering, what's going to happen? Where we don't have Jesus around us anymore. But Jesus left them with a statement, a couple of them actually. The first statement says, I will build my church. He says, on this rock, on himself, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Okay, Jesus, you're establishing the church on yourself. 
So the body, your body is going to be the church. Okay, I get it. But you know you're leaving, right? You're not going to be around here for too much longer. That's okay. Go and wait in the upper room. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the world. Cool. So, Jesus, you're the church. We're going to be your witnesses, but we still haven't established the fact that uh, you're leaving. What's going to happen then? How is the church going to continue to exist? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 through 28 tells us, Now you are the what? The body of Christ. Now you are the body of Christ. Paul is talking to the church. Now you, Darius, are the body of Christ. You, Angie, are the body of Christ. You, Zyla, are the body of Christ. Christ says, I will build my church on this rock. On my body, I will build the church, and you are the body of Christ, Jose. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So we are all pieces of the body of Christ. We are all pieces of the church. We are the church. And when we gather together, we are one body of Christ. We are the church. And he goes on and says, and God is appointed in the church first, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and miracles, then gifts of healing and helping administration and various kinds of tongues. What is he saying? Everybody has a role in the body of the church. We all play a part. So if you are a piece, Liz, that means you are a vital piece to the body. Because how many of you guys know that if you can't use the bathroom, that's a vital piece that's missing? Not saying that some of you guys are the place of release. I'm just saying all of us have functions. Somebody's like, uh-oh. <laughs> Moving on, got myself in trouble there. But how many of you guys know when the doors of the church open and people walk into the door, they are walking into the dwelling place of God? Have you thought about that? When we gather, so when we meet people at the grocery store, we meet them, they're like, oh, that's an awesome piece of the body of Christ. I see the presence of God all over them. And then they see you at the gas station. You're like, oh, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, man, that person is so sweet. They let me go ahead of them. That person is a piece of the body of Christ. Man, I wonder what the whole piece looks like. And then they show up to church and people are like, welcome home. Hey, you want to sit with me? Hey, grab some coffee. And they're like, oh my gosh, this love that I'm experiencing, this is church. This is the body of Christ. Oh my gosh, I am experiencing God with us. God is building his church to be the visible expression of his manifest presence. Point number two, God has given everybody a skill and ability to embody his manifest presence. How many of you guys heard of the term omnipresence of God? 
God is omnipresent. He's omniscient. He is omnipotent, meaning he's all-powerful. Omniscient means he's all-knowing. Omnipresent means that he is everywhere. There's a difference between the omnipresence of God. God is everywhere. There is no place. In fact, the writer in Scripture says, I've gone to the ends of the world. I've gone high and I've gone low. And there's nowhere where I can escape your presence. God, you are everywhere. I feel you. Even the birds and the the trees. It says nature reveals the majesty and the glory of God. God is everywhere. But just like I feel my dad's love all the time, because maybe I'll see a card that he wrote me. Maybe I'll see an email that he wrote me. Maybe I'll be reminded of his love when I see a gift that he sends my, my children. I'm reminded of God's love everywhere, but there is something about when I get to be with my dad. There's something when I get to actually pull up FaceTime and get to talk to my dad and experience his smile and his laugh and his jokes. You know, those dad jokes that are corny, but you got to laugh at them because they're your dad. And then after it's like, dad, you're so lame. I love you, though. The manifest presence is the very real tangible experience that we have with God. And God has given everybody a skill and ability to embody his manifest presence. Read with me verses 30 through 35 in chapter 35. It says that Moses said to the people of Israel, see the Lord has called by name Bezaliel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, verse 31, and he has filled him with the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting of the stone and setting and in carving of wood for work in every skilled craft. And he goes on and he says, I've given them skills. I've given them the abilities. Oh yeah. And his homie Oliab, him too, he's got the skills as well. But I want you guys to see the trajectory of how he presents this. First thing he says, he's called by name. You are not here by chance. Your existence matters. Why? Because God has called you by name. He said, Jim, Gumpert, you my guy. He says, Pedro, Stacia, Y'all my team. He's called them by name. Then he says he's filled them with the spirit. Called by name, filled with the spirit. He's given them skill. He's given them intelligence. He's given them knowledge and craftsmanship. How many of you guys know that God has called us by our name. He's given us the skills, the abilities, the intelligence so that we can use them for his glory, not that we can hoard them for our own story. Are you building your story on God's gifts or are you building his glory? And all of us in here has got something. Everybody in here has been called by name. Larry, God has called you by name. He's given you skill and intelligence, the ability to connect with anyone. Man, I don't know a better connector than Larry. Well, Larry can connect water to fire or something. I don't know if that's a good enough example, but that's the only one that came to my mind. So I'm going to use that. So don't judge me. 
It was a heavy morning. But here's the deal. You notice he says he's like he's given them specific skills to do this and do this and do this and do that. And so they're supposed to do the very thing that God has placed in their heart to do. Hashtag stay in your lane. Don't look at somebody else's gift and say, I like that gift better, so I'm going to do it. You may suck at that gift. Can I just be honest? Let's just be real. There's certain people who just shouldn't be doing certain things. Listen, have you ever gone to the grocery store, have somebody check you? Listen, this just happened to me. I'm at Walmart. I know. When you say I'm at Walmart, everybody starts laughing because they know the story is coming. So I'm at Walmart. I'm buying ink. And so I've got my old ink. And usually they used to have this big tub where you can dispose of the ink there. It's not there anymore. So I go up to the counter and I say, hey, ma'am, can I purchase this over here? And she says, sure. I was like, okay. I'm smiling. She's not. So I'm like, hey, do you have a trash can? And then she, this is her thing. The trash can is right here. And she's right here. I said, hey, do you have a trash can? This is what she does. I'm like, um, can you throw this? Oh, can I throw this? I ain't touching your ink. You can walk around here and throw it out yourself, but I'm not getting your ink all over mine. Why are you in customer service if you don't want to be there? If you're not going to serve me as your customer, stay in your lane. Go receive toll or something. You just hand people money and keep it moving. You don't have to be nice to hand toll. Have you ever met the really nice toll people? I've got your change. Have a great day. Safe trip. I'm like, I I like you. You're so awesome. God has given us all skills and abilities, but you've got to stay in your lane. God is a God of order, not a God of disorder. And so can I just blanket a statement? If there's a place in in the church, right, and you want to serve, and we know your gifting is there, is not there. So say you want to serve and read kids, and every time kids come around, you yell at them and just are mean. Guess what? We're not going to let you serve and read kids. Don't feel bad. We're protecting you. We're helping you give God all the glory. He gave them specific gifts and intelligence. But here's the reality, guys. I've recognized this in my life, and anybody who served has recognized this. God has supernatural blessings for those who use their gifts to build his house. Some of those blessings are incredibly tangible. I remember when I was doing some writing and I was doing some teaching for our kids, for our youth. And we didn't have really good curriculum, and the church didn't really have the budget to buy curriculum. And so what I decided to do, I said, hey, I've got a gift to write, so I'm going to just start writing and putting together the curriculum. And one thing led to another. Some people found out, and it got me an editing job for a publisher in Chicago. I wasn't looking to get a job with a publisher. I wasn't looking to edit. I literally had never edited anything before. But because I was able to utilize my gifts just in my local church to bless the youth, God elevated that gift. And some of them are intangible, like John playing the drums. And somebody comes to me and says, you know what? When John plays the drums, it really ministers to me. I can see him worshiping through that, and it causes me to want to worship as well, too. 
You know, some people walk in and they, they see Jennifer Smith at the Info Hub. And she's so bubbly. She's so awesome. She just puts me in a good mood when I see her. She does it so well. And Jennifer is up there like, you need any information? You need this? Hey, did you get your first time guest gift? I mean, she's just so alive. You're like, oh, my gosh, you are the best. You just blessed me. God has given everybody a skill and ability to embody his manifest presence. And when they encounter these people, they're encountering the living God in the context of the local church where God's presence dwells. Point number three. God's spirit takes our natural gifting and intensifies its impact for his mission. Listen to this in in, in verse... 31, it says, and he has filled him with the spirit of God. That's how it begins. He's called by name, one. Two, he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. What this means when you see filled with the Holy Spirit in scripture, the most common usage of this is means this person has been specifically fitted to accomplish a task that blesses God's people. When somebody is spirit-filled, it means God has called them by name, placed something in their heart, placed something in their hands, placed something in their mind that gives them ability that is ultimately fitted for the glory of God, but for the benefit of his people. It's the idea of really just giving us gifts to be able to serve well. To serve well. The gifts that you have, the intelligence that you have, the ideas that you generate, those are all gifts that God has used you. Yes, for your own benefit. Yes, we want you to use those in your career and allow you to grow and expand your territory. But God has given you those things specifically so that you can contribute to the development of his house. So you can bless people with that gift. Our gifts are not for us to hoard. Our abilities are not for us to hold on to. But they're specifically designed and God intensifies their impact for his mission. I don't know if you've been reading the Quit Church book, but we're in chapter three. Regroups this week is going to be talking through chapter three. And it talks about a guy, he was a businessman. It's really awesome in his career. Did some really awesome things and just built up a really successful company. And one day he came to the pastor, which is every pastor's favorite statement. Pastor, how can I serve? And it was one simple thing. He says, Pastor, I see that there's nobody to bring your podium out. Or the chair for you to sit on that you preach from. And Chris Songson is telling this story. Pastor Chris says, yeah, that's true. There is nobody. You know, we had somebody leading that area, but that person is not in that position anymore. So there's a gap. And he says, hey, do you mind if I help out there? Pastor Chris says, absolutely. Like most pastors. Sure thing. What do you want to do? I'll tell you whatever. I'll give you the, the lock and key password. I'll tell you everything. Just I don't have to do it. Praise God. So he takes on this ministry, and within a few weeks, he's got it humming and turning this 15 people 
to just pick up a table and put the seat out for the pastor to preach on, to make sure the water is out there, to make sure it's all taken care of. He's got 15 people who are able and willing to do this. And then he goes and he sets somebody over it. And then he comes to the pastor. He says, hey, listen, I've got all these people to do this. I've got a leader over it. What else can I do? He had the gift of entrepreneurship and administration. He grew a business, a successful business, but he knew that those gifts that he had were not meant to just build his platform. But he was supposed to contribute to the local church. And he used his gifts. He made himself available to be able to contribute to the mission and the vision because he saw that he was a steward and not an owner. See, an owner says, you know what? I'll just find somebody else to do it. And then I'll move on. A steward says, I need to make sure this is completed. So I see how God uses his natural giftings and intensifies them for its impact. I see our students in first impressions. They've got this natural energy. They've got this natural enthusiasm about them. And so guess what they do? They choose to be the first impression that people have when they drive up to church. And God is like, hey, listen, they're going to be excitable anyway. They're going to be out hanging out anyway at school. I'm going to use that same energy. I'm going to make sure when people walk in, they know that they're rolling into somewhere where they're being expected. They are the first welcome home even before they even utter the words. When people pull up and they see our students out there with the signs, waving them in, got the flags, and they drive in, and they feel welcome home before they even get to the front door and hear it. Think through Allison serving in re-kids. Allison served at a preschool as a teacher, and people said, you've got this gifting with children. So Allison decided to go ahead and put her gifting with the re-kids. And my son comes home and says, Hey, I know the Bible story. Miss Allison taught me the Bible story. And oh my gosh, you should have heard how Miss Allison prayed. Oh my gosh, Miss Allison, Miss Allison, Miss Allison, Miss Allison. Making a tangible difference in our own house. Inspiring kids to want to come to church. Inspiring kids to say, I cannot wait to get to church. Because of the atmosphere that Miss Allison is setting. See, if you want to experience God's favor in your life, Begin serving his mission and his vision without need for kudos or pat on the back. Without need for acknowledgement or platform. And God will take your natural giftings and open up supernatural doors that you never even expected. Some of us serve, and I I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Listen, we've got an amazing dream team. But some of us walk in here like, oh, my gosh, you're you're lucky I'm here. It was a rough night. You don't understand what I'm going through in life right now. It's like, okay, if you don't want to be here, then just don't be here. Because we want everybody who steps into this place to realize that there's a greater mission beyond us that's taking place. There's people who are walking through these doors who are broken, who are depressed, who are sad, who have no hope. And when they walk in and they hear you say, welcome home, that is the first positive statement that they've heard all week. It's not about you. 
It's about the mission of God. And God says, listen, trust me. Use the giftings that I've given you, and you will see them come to life in ways that you've never seen in your life. Point number four, our last point. Serving God's house is a heart disposition and has little to do with time and resources. Somebody needs to hear that today. Serving God's house is a heart disposition. Where's your heart at? And it's little to do with time and resources. I always give this example when my dad would ask me to mow his lawn, even when I didn't live at his house. Parents, I'm going to do that to my kids just in spite of what my dad did to me, just because I can. It's like, son, come on my lawn. Dad, I got my own house. Fine. Well, dad, I can make it this time because I didn't have time. He says, you make time for the things that are important. I'm like, ooh, checkmate. And again, I give this example. One time I was talking to my dad, and my dad is like, hey, how, how's your devotional life? How are you doing d- digging into God's word? I'm like, man, you know, I really wish I had time, but I got to get up early for work, and I got to do this. And he was like, you make time for those things that are important. I remember when Christine and I were in our early dating, may have been first or second date or something like that. I had just come back from my internship, so I was broke. Just gotten a job because I'd sold my car before I came, went to my internship. I came back. I'm like, man, I need a car. So I saved up a bunch of money. And then I just put down and paid cash for this car, which drained my bank account. And then Christine says, yes, I'll go out with you. What do you do in that moment? The girl of your dreams that you've been stalking, I mean, watching and loving from a distance, from a distance, says, yes, she'll go out with you. I had no money. And then my car smelled like somebody had just gutted a deer. I don't know what the person did in my car before I bought it, but that car smelled rancid. I took it through every type of wash. We shampooed the carpet and it still smelled really bad. And then to make it worse, when I turned, I don't know, was it the drive shafts or something like that? It made that click, 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 click. And it was loud. So you know what I did on our first date? I was broke. I had a car that stunk and smelled funny. So I called my buddies. I called my parents. Hey, can I borrow some money? Can I get some money? Because I wasn't going to let anything stop me from going out with Christine John at the time. Christine, when you're now. Come on. So... I got all the money I could, and then I got into the car, and I smelt it, and I'm like, this is not going to work. So I get to Christine's house, and I'm like, hey, girl, you know, you want to use your car? She was like, no, let's use your car. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be so embarrassed. But it didn't matter because I was taking Christine out. And then I got into the car, and I turned the corner. I tried to turn it as, li- as slow as possible so she wouldn't hear the clink, 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 clink. And as soon as I turned it, it went clink, 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 and then she laughed. And said, what is that? Are we going to make it? That's my wife, y'all. 
Here's the deal. Nothing was going to stop me because I knew this was the most important thing that I was going to do that day. And I pray that some of us will get to church in the morning and nothing will stop us from serving Jesus. Not time that we spent all night last night, not the work that we did this week, not the stress that we're dealing with. We're saying this is the most important thing that I've got to do. I'm going to serve God's house. Let me show you some quick quotes here. Pastor Brian Houston, the pastor of Hillsong, says this. My advice would be find a local church, pour your life into it, and you will never be the same again. Pastor John Rewald, who was here last week, he said this. Plan your life around the church and not the other way around. And both of them are Australian. And Australia is one of the most godless nation, yet we are in the United States of America built on God's word. So we say, but yet we got all these Christians every single day saying, I ain't got time. It just doesn't fit within my schedule. And yet we want to take the gospel to the world. We've got the nerve to want to send missionaries to other countries when other countries are saying we plan our lives around the church, not the other way around. Mm, It got real quiet. Don't worry, there's no agenda here. I'm just saying, guys, we got to understand what's important. The reality is, God is building his house. And has invited me and you to be a part of it. He's got a mission and his vision ahead of us. And he's invited us to take part in the greatest mission known to man. When Christine and I gave our hearts to Jesus, when we accepted the sacrifice that Christ made for our lives, there were four non-negotiables that we made that have totally flipped our world upside down. First non-negotiable making personal time with God a priority. Getting to know Jesus personally. Spending time in the word. Number two, we made church attendance non-negotiable. We planned our lives around the church calendar, not the other way around. This is before we were in ministry. We refuse to work when we should be in church. Now, some people have jobs like they're nurses and doctors, those things you just can't get away from. You're saving people's lives. But we said we would not work when we're supposed to be in church. It was non-negotiable. Number three, we made giving a priority. Tithing a priority. We were going to give into God's mission. And number four, we made serving God's house part of our weekly rhythm. We just knew God was building his church, and he invited us to be a part of it. He didn't have to. 
He could have left us in the muck and mire of our own sin. He could have made us pay our own debt. But yet he invited us into the most spectacular, most incredible, the most transforming mission known to man. His local church. I'm going to end on this verse. Haggai chapter 1, verse 2 through 8. You know, I, I feel like I should. I, lo- I like the message Bible for devotional reading. You know, I usually try not to preach out of it. But I, I'm, I'm going to read this in the message Bible because I feel like it really captures. It's a paraphrase of the Bible in context. It says, A message from God of the angel of the armies. It says, The people procrastinate. They say, This isn't the right time to rebuild the temple, the temple of God. Shortly after that, God said, How is it that it's the right time for you to live in your fine new homes while the home, God's temple, is in ruins. Take a good, hard look at your life. Think it over. You spend a lot of money. But let's be honest, you don't have much to show for it. You keep filling your plates, but you never get filled. You keep drinking and drinking and drinking, but you're always thirsty. You put on layer after layer of clothes, but you can't get warm. And the people who work for you, what are they getting out of it? Not much. A leaky, rusty old bucket. That's what. Take a hard look at your life. Think it over. Then God said, here's what I want you to do. Climb into the hills and cut some timber. Bring it down and build the temple. Do it just for me. Honor me. You've had great ambitions for yourself, but nothing has come of it. I've got one simple challenge to us in this room. If you're not currently serving, find a gap. Fill the gap. Find a gap. Fill the gap. Here's why. Because there's a community that God wants to reach out there. There's a community that is yearning for something more than what is currently not filling their lives. And he's created the local church as the number one vehicle for salvation and transformation and sanctification, meaning helping them grow in their faith and in their holiness to God. Oh, it gets better. And he's chosen you by name to take part in this mission and vision. Find the gap. Fill the gap.
between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there were over 400 years of silence where God lifted his voice from earth. Because no matter what he did, humanity always rebelled. Then Jesus filled the gap. He came onto this earth recognizing the void that was there. The void that kept me and you far from God. A sinful man could not stand in the presence of a sinful God without being consumed. But because of Jesus, he came, he lived the life we couldn't live. He died the death that we were supposed to die. And three days later, rose again to tell us the gap is filled. You can now enter the throne of heaven. You can now not only come to God, you can be the dwelling place of God. He will live inside of you. I will live inside of you and I will live through you. So much so that the apostle Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives through me. Jesus filled the gap for your salvation and he invites you to fill the gap so he can introduce himself to so many people who are going to walk through these doors. And so this morning, I just have one simple appeal. Two, maybe. If you've never allowed yourself to make that decision to be filled by Jesus Christ, be filled by the Holy Spirit, because of the death that he died for you and the sacrifice that he paid for you, this is your opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Number two, if you're not currently serving, I want you to find the gap and fill the gap. We've got starting points starting next week. Come on, somebody. We have starting point next week. How you get on the dream team. And we want you to take part in the mission and the vision of God because he wants to take your natural abilities and turn them into supernatural impact for his glory and his mission. So sign up for starting point. And if you are serving, I hope this message has been in a reminder that it is not for your own to hold. This is a stewardship that we've been given. So we've got to make sure that we take care of God's house. We've got to make sure that when we come ready to serve God's house, we've got to make sure that we make ourselves available for God's house. Because in the prosperity of the local church, not financial in the prosperity, in the success, in the impact of the local church, you will find your prosperity, your impact, your hope, your ability, and God will do something revolutionary in your life, and I believe it. Can we stand and pray to Jesus this morning? God, we thank you so much for sending Jesus Christ. Thank you so much, Lord, that through him we get the gap filled between us and you. Now we can come to you. Not only can we come to you, but you can live inside our hearts. Forgive us for all of our sins, Lord. Forgive us for our shortcomings, for how sometimes we neglect to value your house above all. God, I pray that we will prioritize your mission. We'll prioritize your vision. And God, if there's anybody in here who needs to make a decision to follow you, who needs to be filled with your Holy Spirit, 
I pray that under the sound of this voice, God, that they will feel the heart stir inside of them. So if you're in here and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, you said, listen, there's been a lot of gaps in my life. I'm, I'm distant from God. I can't just reach God. I feel like I've, I'm not connected to God. And today I want to come home. I want Jesus to fill the gap for my life. If you are in here, would you just slip your hand up real quick and we'll see you wherever you're at. I see your hand. 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 Praise Jesus. Hey, everybody, let's pray this together. Dear God, today I come asking for forgiveness for how I have not kept your standard. Thank you for sending Jesus to fill that gap, for living the life that I couldn't. Today, I accept him as my Lord, my King, and my Savior. And I will live for you the best that I can from this day forward and forevermore. Let's make some noise for everybody who said yes to Jesus today. Hey, listen, if you said yes to Jesus, there's three things I just want you to do. Three things. I think we have them on the screen. Tell somebody. Text somebody. Tweet somebody. Let everybody know that you made a decision to follow Jesus. The second thing that I want you to do is go to the Info Hub. We've got a gift waiting for you. We just want to say congratulations. We want to honor you for saying yes to Jesus. And the third thing, hey, just keep coming back. Just keep coming back. It gets gooder and gooder every single time. Believe you me. It's going to get better. So just keep coming back. You guys had a good Sunday? All right, guys. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at giving.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.